Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 230. So, Albert, what would you tell me if I told you I didn't have a joke for today? Oh, dear. Don't tell me you aren't ready. Hi, Julius. How's it going? How's it going? Alrighty, everyone. In case you're uh, not following on our minor puns there, today we are going to talk about Cascadia, which doesn't have deer, but is full of nature. It does, And it does have a deer on the cover of the rule book, at least. It does have a deer on the cover of the rule book, but surprisingly, there's not a deer in the game. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. I'm real to- oh, that's not a deer on the cover of the rule book. That's an elk. Oh, well. Specifically a Roosevelt elk. Oh, okay, well, I'm a city slicker. I wouldn't know the difference. You I'm wouldn't sorry. know the difference. I didn't know either, but yeah, the, the game specifically calls out that as a Roosevelt elk. Possibly Roosevelt elk. I don't know how to pronounce words. I'm a podcaster, not an English major. <laughs> well, it works, and it's a really pretty cover. It's very, it makes me want to play this game. It looks like such a nice scene. Indeed. So mm-hmm. we are talking about Cascadia. Let me give a brief overview of it for those of you who aren't necessarily familiar with this game. This is a tile selection game where you're going to be picking from a set of four tiles with associated wildlife tokens. On your turn, you're going to be picking one of those pairs and putting them in your habitat to try and make specific configurations of the wildlife tokens and as large a group as possible of the different habitats at the end of the game, you're going to be scoring points based on those configurations and groups. Whoever has the most amount of points wins when you're playing by yourself solo. The goal is just to beat your own score. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me while you're reading that and looking at the pictures of this game, I, I was going to say, I, I don't know this game. I've never played it. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. I played it with you online. You have played it with me <laughs> online. I do know this game. Huh. This was Very one cool. that I originally had brought up and had originally grabbed when it was back on Kickstarter. Okay. Um, because back on Kickstarter, they had had a wonderful digital version, which that digital version has now been updated even more to give a mm. solo version where you can just play through the game all by yourself. Um, I was so enthusiastic about how well done that solo version was that I did back the game. Uh, and I have had no regrets about that and would continue to enjoy either the digital version or the non-digital version. But if anybody is listening to it or Albert as we're talking about it, uh, <laughs> you do have the ability to go give it a trial yourself before you buy it and try out that digital version. Okay. So we'll have to include the links to that then. Indeed. Links will be in show notes. Now, does the di- digital version let you play multiplayer or just solo? Just solo. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, it's fine for us. It's a solo podcast, after all. And the game supports one to four players if you get the the printed version. Correct. The, the real-life, physical, in-person version. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the, the rules. Sure. Uh So with regard to the rules, the game goes in one of those relatively simpler categories where there's not a whole lot. I think that the rules do a good job of explaining how does the game works. I think perhaps one of the biggest downfalls for me is having a quick reference for what it is that the wildlife tokens do. Over the course of the game, you're going to be getting a number, or not the wildlife tokens, the nature tokens rather. Over the course of the game, whenever you put down a 
a wildlife token on a habitat that has an acorn pictured on it, you'll be able to take one of the nature tokens, which are pine cones from, as the rulebook calls out, the mighty Douglas fir tree. <laughs> but those nature tokens have primarily three uses. And those three uses are in separate places. They're not all called out together in one specific place. When they come close to calling out what the nature tokens can do, it's not on the same page as where the nature tokens are pictured. There's no call out for them or putting them in a specific box. It's just not well called out. I would much have preferred if they had included just one separate card in addition to all the other wonderful cards, maybe with a picture of a nice fir tree, to call out and say, hey, here are the three different uses of the nature tokens. And by the way, in case anyone was playing, has played the game before and is curious what I mean by three, because the game calls out two, uh, there are the two ones that you can do over the course of the game, which are break up the fact that you have to have a pair of habitat tokens and wildlife tokens or to do an overpopulation for them. Or the third one is that they're just straight up worth a point at the end of the game. It's not called out. And I wish that there were a specific car that would have called it out with that issue aside. I really do think the rest of the game is nice and clear. I think that everything else is pretty clear on what all it does. Again, if I were making wishes, I would wish that I had a card that I can show on the table with all the other scoring cards for how habitats work so that it would be as obvious to players as everything else, but it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice looking rule book, really colorful, vibrant, lots of pictures, lots of big texts, a lot, a lot like Storms Above the Rake, really. Um, don't, well done, rule Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> no. One thing, I, <laughs> one thing I do like about the rule book is that at the back it has a Cascadia Achievements, which is a, a place to record uh, different milestones, different goals you've done. Mm-hmm. And it's nice how they made it. It's like a like like a map with little waypoints that you can mark off as you progress through them. Mm-hmm. It's just nice looking. Well, it's actually set up to be that way because there's a set of uh, specific scenarios that you can play through. Um, part of the game includes that there's five different types of wildlife there are the bears the elk the salmon the hawks and the foxes and each of those have four possibly five different um scoring cards that you can use between them so you can go through the different scenarios and set up what specific scoring cards are and if there's some other goal that is included in the game that players have to do or Uh, starting wildlife tokens or nature tokens or different sorts of things that can be involved. And I'm not sure that it really mixes it up, but it sort of gives you an idea of what you can play instead of just playing completely at random. That's nice. And the, the the scenarios there's there, they could be played solo or multiplayer. Yeah. It's just a matter of tracking on your little board. It it is nice looking. It really does look like a nice rule book. It's inviting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Truth. All right, so the rules, the theme. What do you think about this theme? Do you feel like you're in Cascadia exploring nature? <sighs> I'm, I question quite what it is that you're doing in the Cascadia. Are you exploring and determining what's there? Because you're not. You're really sort of getting to build 
a map. You're you're figuring you're you're placing mm-hmm. what's here. All of a sudden, there's a wild lands, or there's a river that suddenly plops down next to it, and you're placing the habitats nearby. Are, are you are you God? Are you creating this nature world and placing <laughs> nature things in it? Like theme is a miss for me. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's pretty. It has animals. And sort of the animal goals make sense. This is as compared to when we were talking about Twinkle, where that game also had six goals, but the goals were just sort of color. This color does this. Well, why does this color want this? With this one, because the goals are things like animals, like the grizzly bears. Um, so, so it sounds like this game feels like you're exploring Cascadia, much like in Carcassonne, you feel like you're exploring a village. Because it's, it's kind of a similar game in a way, right? It's a tiling game. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, I mean, but you're not exploring because you're actually shaping it. Yes. <laughs> but let me let me move back to the point I was saying that when with these goals, they make sense thematically. So unlike with Twinkle before, the goals didn't really make any sense thematically. You just had colors. Mm-hmm. But with this one, it makes sense because like grizzly bears work in pairs and the elk want to sort of make their big group in whatever shape they have, and the hawks are going to be territorial or be in pairs, and foxes are sort of the sneaky soloists and things like that. <laughs> so all of those are more, you know, sensible. There's there's something to sink your brain into about why a particular animal has a particular type of goal. So I guess those are sort of thematic, but in terms mm-hmm. of what it is that I'm doing in the game, it is not so thematic. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. It's it's a very light. It's an abstract game. It very much is with with pretty art, pretty tiles, and good rubric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So then let's talk about the components. Speaking there, of the pretty tiles. Of, yeah. There we go. Tiles. This game has tiles. It has a number of tiles with with a. I forget. Do they have the animal? They have the animals on the tiles, and they've also so, got terrain. Right. So the animals on the tiles are printed between one, two, and three different animals on it, because those are the options to what type of tokens you can put on it. So those are printed on there, and then the wildlife tokens are wood tokens with screen printed animals on on those tokens. And those are really nice. Those get mixed up in the cloth bag. There is not a cloth bag for the habitat tiles. You're not supposed to shuffle those. Of course, the game, you shuffle those at the beginning and then set them up. So Mm -hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. How big are these tiles? The, I don't know, (laughs) a decent size. Okay. I think the circles are about an inch. I'd say that probably along the short dimension the the textiles are like two inches so maybe the size of a, a katan tile maybe i'm not sure either, yeah but about okay, that. We'll that okay it's not something i measured <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and then it also has the five starter habitat tiles so on those tiles so it lists the the five different habitats mm-hmm. and i think all of those are clear and visible so i really don't or excuse me, six habitats. So all of those are clear and visible. There's no real issues distinguishing between the different ones. Perhaps there's an issue naming them um, because I, I had to remember for a while that it's wetlands and not swamps, which makes a lot more sense. Mm. Um, but no real issues being able to see those clearly or see what the wildlife tokens are. 
Uh, for the nature tokens, they are a beautiful acorn. <laughs> and, um, I, I guess that's it for them. They're acorns. <laughs> These are cardboard tokens, I guess. Yeah, they're just cardboard tokens. Um, then there's the cloth bag, which comes for the wildlife tokens, which is just a cloth bag, and it's good of them to put it in there. They they could have not, and just made it all be wood tokens. I mean, this is a really nice thing, the fact that they're screen-printed wood tokens of yeah. different colored woods. Those could have just been cardboard as well, but instead they tr- they opted for a more deluxe token to be nice wood. So all of those are good things. And, and then this the, isn't a Kickstarter only upgrade or anything like that. No, is it? it's not. Okay. That is what comes with the retail version. Uh, the only thing that came with the Kickstarter was there's an extra scoring card for each one, but there's already four scoring cards for each one and an intermediate family version for each one. So, you know, I don't even think there's necessarily a need to add another one. It's perfectly fine like that. Mm-hmm. Um, each For each one of the wildlife cards, Almost all of them have unique art. I will say <laughs> it's a slight breakthrough and uh, breakdown in that it's shy just a little bit of having unique pieces of art for each card. I was surprised that they almost had unique pieces of the card for each one and then dropped the ball on one of them because there's one duplicate piece of art per. Oh, that's funny. So like like the bear card, there'll be two different or three or whatever number of different type of bear cards. Well, there are four different bear cards, and there are three arts between those four. Are these photographs or paintings? I do not know. Okay. It looks like they're artistic reconstructions of photographs. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then the bonus ones from Kickstarter are also repurposed art, which that's... Not to be, that's not unexpected for me, um, especially in that they've already repurposed it. But when you repurpose it, like just one more would have made them all unique. Like, why didn't, mm-hmm. why, why not go all the way? But yeah. That's fine. I wonder if that's some sort of oversight or something. <laughs> Who I knows? think it's an oversight. Yeah. Of just the funding had. Oh, that'll do it too. Yep. All right. Okay. Is that all? So I believe that's all the tokens. That's all the components. Everything works really nicely. There is a cardboard insert for the game, uh, which is just divides out so that you have a column for holding the tiles nicely. Uh, Otherwise, everything else just goes in a giant well and sorts out just like that. No real issues. Okay. Cool. So, what's the gameplay like? If I remember correctly, we're, we're laying tiles. Claiming them by putting our animals on them and, Correct. and scoring. Yes. So on your turn, there's going to be a set of four habitat tiles and four wildlife tokens, and they're all going to be paired up. So you're going to have one of each lined up. You have to pick one of those four sets of pairs and put it in your habitat. So at the start of the game, you'll have three open spaces. So you're always adding a space and filling a space. You're always going to have three open spaces that you'll be able to put wildlife tokens in your board. Now, sometimes you may be restricted on which wildlife is possible to add at any point in time. You know, you have to deal with that or open up some more options for yourself. But I've definitely seen sometimes where players no longer really have a choice in what they can pick because the only wildlife that they have available to take are not (laughs) represented the wildlife tokens available. But on your turn, you are picking one of those squares, adding it to your board, and it can be added anywhere. It doesn't necessarily have to have to match uh, 
habitat to habitat, you could line up a sandy beach next to a river without any real issues with that. Um, once you've added your habitat t- tile and your wildlife token, you will refill the board and you will continue to do this until you have done that 20 times. Once you have done that 20 times, you will finish off the game. There are, as I mentioned before, the ability to use wildlife tokens to interrupt a little bit because the wildlife tokens let you do three different things. They can let you break the fact that normally the pairs are fixed and said you can pick a wildlife token that is not matched with a habitat tile. The wildlife tokens also let you manually do something called overpopulation. Normally, if four of one type of animal, or if you choose to do it when there's three of one type of animal, you can. But if there's four of one type of animal, you can trigger, you must trigger an overpopulation, in which case you set aside all four of those and draw another another set of four out of the back. Um, with a nature token, you can just do that automatically. You can, even if it wouldn't normally overpopulate, you can refresh those on the end of your turn. Now, the only way to get nature tokens are when you're putting out an, a wildlife token on a habitat tile that is called a keystone tile. And keystone tiles have only one type of habitat on them and only one type of wildlife on them. Normally, when you put when you grab a tile, it'll have two or three wildlife token options and two different habitats split 50-50 on the tile. A keystone tile only has one of those. So it's more restrictive and what you can use for endgame stuff or endgame scoring, but it gives you a nature token. <laughs> those nature tokens can be very valuable in terms of points and in terms of opening up your options for what it is that you want to do in your turn. So part of the push and pull that you're doing over the course of the game is trying to, on the one hand, set up the one of the scoring goals for how you want to lay out the nature tile, the wildlife tokens. So for example, like you can have a scoring goal out where you want to form the elk into a ring. So that means that when you draw an elk tile, you want to put it somewhere where it will continue to form towards that ring. But on the other hand, if that elk only has forest on it and you want to build out a bigger forest over on the other side of the board, you'd be like, I don't know. Do I want to focus on the elk aspect of it or do I want to focus on the forest aspect of it? (laughs) There's that push and pull between the two of them because both of those are very valid scoring options that you could do. You can try and get a bunch of points for having the perfect arrangement of your wildlife but you'll you'll sacrifice a bunch from your habitats because at the end of the game, in addition to just scoring for the wildlife configurations, first, whoever has the biggest tile majority or in solo, if you have more than seven of a, of a group of habitats tiles, you'll score bonus points. And whatever your largest group is, you'll have one point for each of those tiles. So if you, for example, have a group of three forests and four forests, you only get four points. If you would just manage to put those all together, instead of having four points, you'd have seven points. And that's the sort of stuff that can really win you the game, especially when that seven points also combines with having two or three point bonuses for having the most of that habitat. Mm -hmm. That's the sort of stuff that can really win games. Right. But but you're stuck because if you convert that three and a four into a single large zone, you're risking putting the animal in the wrong spot. 
and you're risking cutting off other habitat tiles because yeah. now you're going to shoot your forest down the middle of your river and your river won't score as big or yeah like there's there's very much a push pull between all the different things that the game is is forcing you to do and as with a lot of times so there's that the push and pull there's a tension that is pushed over the course of the game that keeps you invested keeps you involved and and makes you want to be able to finish and try and line up the perfect sort of theory for how it is that you can score points a lot of the times i'm playing this also especially with the nature tokens i'll find myself saying okay at the start of the game like there's five different wildlifes that i can focus on i want to pick one or two or maybe even three and say I'm going to try and really grab elk rings and make sure that I have elk rings, or I'm going to try and make sure that my foxes are doing really well, or that I have a big environment of birds all around the outside quarters and focus on one of those. And especially at the beginning of the game, when you have the opportunity to focus on one and really think about what it is that you're doing, you'll be able to say, you'll you'll be able to push towards that but at one point in time that's that's the sort of plan that is doomed to failure but it's a good thing because when you're forced to grab another type of wildlife you start thinking well what can i do to be able to get points with this how can i expand what is them doing to get points elsewhere it's a tension it's a tension that's born out of all of those things the beginning of the game tension versus the end of the game and the the wildlife versus the habitats all of that tension builds up to a gameplay that is compelling. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a neat game. It's a neat game. And it plays relatively fast, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It plays very fast. And it plays very fast whether you're playing, honestly, whether you're playing solo or playing multiplayer. Because the solo is, it feels identical to playing multiplayer, just with a little bit of more randomness. When you're playing multiplayer, so there's that group of four, and so you place yours down and then other people place theirs down. You end up with it when you're playing solo. And after you grab one in a river like fashion, the one that's been there the longest also disappears. That means that two are being grabbed every time you go one that you grab. And then one that the game just deletes and you keep grabbing and you just keep pushing through that and go and go, go, go. And it takes not very long to play through a game of Cascadia and it feels really nice going through it. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Okay. So this sounds like a game you like. Have you played it a lot solo or I have server? played it a lot solo. I've okay. played a lot solo both in the digital version before I got a copy of it. I've played it a lot solo now with the physical version. I have not really played through a lot of the scenarios to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um mostly because I'm perfectly fine just rolling it up and playing a game without it so i've not really looked a whole lot into the scenarios especially because sort of the scenarios <sighs> the scenarios have a map <laughs> the map in order to play it you have to write on the rules and a i don't yeah. want to write on the rules <laughs> and b i would have to not play it on shabbos <laughs> right yeah you can photocopy the rule book or print it you out can also again. print a copy of it if i really wanted to but the other the other uh, yeah. barrier is even more overwhelming i would have yes. to not do that on shabbos yes and i want to be able to do it on yes. shabbos uh, yep because other days of the week you may be doing things like oh i don't know working <laughs> yeah yeah you can't do it then so yeah, yeah. i could see that i there's there's games like this where, that they have expansions and I've just never bothered with the expansion. 
because I enjoy the game scenarios. without it. And it's just scenario or scenarios, scenarios, expansions, whatever. Mm-hmm. I I like it just the way it is, and I may enjoy it the other way, but I'm still enjoying it the way it is. So I haven't bothered to switch it up. And mm-hmm. that that I think that's a, that says a lot for a game. If you enjoy it yeah. just the way it comes, before adding stuff to it. Yeah, it's fun. I I really enjoy playing through it. Now then, even for my family, they've also really been enjoying it. I want to make mention of this. They included mm-hmm. also a family variant and intermediate variant for the game, and I think those are a really good way to introduce newer players um, to the game, or someone who's not an experienced player. With experienced players being confronted with five different scoring options for the nature for the wildlife tokens can be a little bit overwhelming, or at least feel overwhelming. So the way the family variant works is that instead of having five different ones, you just have one that's the same for all five of them, which is just make groups. And then what the intermediate variant does is it just says the groups have to be bigger than one. With the family variant, even one counts, so everything is worth points. With intermediate, you actually are encouraged to make bigger groups, but not too big. So that starts to give a little bit more of the push and pull. But I think that jumping to the actual full version of the game is not very difficult. So what I actually do with my kids is we played through a family version of the game and then an intermediate version. I said, all right, so let's play one with the actual full scoring rules. They said, no, we really, we really like having the family variant. Like this feels overwhelming. So I said, okay, here's the deal I'm going to make. I set up all five of the scoring regular cards and then we set up an intermediate variant card as well. And I said, if you guys want, at the end of the game, you can pick if you want to score for the intermediate variant or if you want to score for the individual scoring options. And whichever one you're happier with, you can certainly do. So they started the game and they said, cool, we're playing with the intermediate variant. And then they sort of looked over at the scoring, at the regular score and was like, actually, that looks like really fun. So they started setting up with it over the course of the game and playing and putting out tiles. At the end of it, they're like, I mean, I, I, I could just score the intermediate variant, but those ones look like a lot more fun. Even if I'm not witty, that one looks like a lot more fun. <laughs> and so they just did that. So it was, it was almost tricksy. <laughs> but they really, liked it. they really liked it that way. That's cool. That is cool. It sounds like it's a, it's a fun game all around then. Yeah. It's a I winner's so. game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. Exactly. So this is Cascadia. It is published by AEG and uh, Flat Out Games. Yes. Okay. I have not heard of Flat Out Games before. I've definitely heard of AEG. And who designed this? Da, 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 da. Let's go to find the designer. We should always mention designers. We're talking. Randy Flynn designed the game. Yeah, we we don't give credit where credit is due most of the time. Shame on us, really. Uh, I'm sorry. Although yeah, well, at least we say we like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean we should, but you know, we don't. It's just it's it's our foilable. What can we do? Ah, it's true. It's true. But I think that just about covers our little trek through the wilds here. <laughs> yep. I would add stuff, but you know, like I only played it that one time and that was that like a year ago now? Maybe I don't know, it's been a while. Oh, well, I remember no enjoying it. No reason not to get another play of it in. Yep, that's true. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.